always and never are two words you should always remember never to use. That is a quote by Wendell Johnson. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from TrinaMartin.com is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. I am your host, Trina L. Martin, and this is episode 51. Before we get started, I just want to say I am so grateful, excited, and blessed to have my book to be soon released. From a mess to amazing, seven steps to create the life that you deserve. For all of you out there who think that you have made too many mistakes and that you can't overcome, or you've been wondering, is there more for you in your life? I'm here to tell you, yes, there is. And the book will impact and inspire you to live on intention and go after the things that you totally deserve in life. The topic of this week's episode is, do you have the right words. My guest this week is Elizabeth Campbell. Liz calls herself the word stylist. She is a content writer at heart. She works with established businesses who are ready to transform their content business and their life through the power and beauty of words. She loves to teach small business owners how to write online content that rocks and gets results through her workshops. She owns EC Writing Services in Australia, but works with people all over the world. Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today to talk to you guys. I'm excited to have you. You are known as the word stylist. Tell me what that means and how that came about. That's true. Well, yeah, gosh, that's a good story. That happened quite a number of years ago. I've been in business for six years. And when I first started, I was trying to, I was just a common content writer, you know, a copywriter. I'd been a journalist. And I was really trying to differentiate myself from the others who were like me doing the same things. And I, I did um, some work around my values and some work around like what was really important to me and it came back that words, writing, um, connecting, communication, that sort of thing was really important, had a major impact on my life and it's something that, you know, as a journalist, so it was, there was just basically my life. And then the stylist part came back with like I really love beauty and fashion and style and things that look good and you know I just think when things look good yeah they will feel good you'll feel good and so it just I was throwing these words around it's like okay what can I 
make out of this? What can I become? Like there was, you know, the communication fashionist stuff and it just sort of came as out as the word stylist and I can style your words for you online. And I was like, I feel comfortable getting up and saying that in front of people when I introduce myself or I feel extremely comfortable when people introduce me as the word stylist. And I always get that question, what is a word stylist or where did that come from? And so it just differentiates me. It's a talking point and there's a little story around it, like there is actual meaning to that. It wasn't just a, a, you know, it took me weeks and weeks and weeks to come up with that. I did so much work around it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a great story and I get what you're saying about the stylist part because I'm I'm a bit of a fashionista myself, so I, I love that. Yeah, you can tell from your photos online. You look very stylish. And I, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Well, thank you. You're too kind. So how did you come to have a love for words? Was this something that you always excelled at like in school did you were you a, a storyteller where you were in plays how how did you come to just love words like you do mm, such a good question it's really funny i didn't like reading when i was growing up but i loved being read too and i didn't like being in the spotlight at all and i always i never in drama i never took drama or anything like that and if I was in a play, I was always in the background. So as a behind-the-scenes crew member helping out. I did really love um, dancing, though. So I did a lot of dancing and I, that creative streak was always there. And it wasn't until I did, like when I started in the business, there's a couple of ways that this sort of panned out was that when I started in the business, I doing some work around the milestones in my life and what had been um, a prominent thing. And I realised that writing had always been extremely prominent in my life. Like I would write letters to friends. I had pen pals overseas when you still actually used to write handwritten letters and send them via snail mail with stamps and stuff on them. Um, I used to, I did really well in English. I loved English except the oral exam stuff. So when you had to get up and speak in front of people, I never did well at that, but I always did really well at at my assignments and I loved English. Uh, It was always my best subject. But also when I looked back at what I had done, the very first time that I ever did writing of significance that I can remember was actually when I was in kindergarten. And I was um, only about four years old and I'd written a book, I penned a book and it was about a runaway $1 coin that fell out of its owner's pocket and it fell down a drain and it ran out to sea and it had an amazing adventure with some sea creatures out there and it got washed back up on shore and it was found by a little girl. And I had shaded a $1 coin, Uh, I had coloured it in, the teacher had helped me write it and it was a present to my mum. And mum 
kept that book for so long and that's the reason I remember the story was because I used to go and look at it even into my university years I'd go home I'd get it and I'd be like one day I'm going to be a famous children's author uh you know and it was really funny I went back to get this book one year and I'm like mum where's that book that I wrote when I was little I'm going to make it into a children's book and I'm going to be famous and She's like, oh, darling, I threw that out ages ago. And I'm like, no, what, what do you mean you threw it out? How could you do that? Like, so I had, and it was so cute, you know, like it was really, it was just a, a four-year-old's version. It was probably only about 10 pages, but it had all been stapled and there was cut out things in there and it had been, uh, looked like I'd put a lot of work into it, you know. So that was sort of my first foray into writing and, I didn't, you know, you don't realise this stuff that you do as a kid until you sort of think about what was a major milestone. And the journalism part and the storytelling part came in when I was in year nine and this is another milestone, was that I had to do work experience. And by this stage I was still sort of behind the scenes I didn't never want to do speaking and now I do speaking all over the country podcasts and all of that I never wanted to do that so I applied for the radio station in the town that I grew up in here in western Queensland in Australia and I didn't get it and I was devastated and then my second choice was at Just Jeans which is a fashion shop here and all I really wanted was to get discounted you know denim jeans <laughs> shorts and I didn't get it either. And my third preference was the newspaper. And I only put that down because my English teacher said to me, oh, you know, you'd be a really good journalist. You should just put down the paper and go and do a week's work experience there. And I was like, oh, I can't think of anything else that I wanted to do, so I'll just do that. And funnily, that was the best, that was the, the turning point for me. I loved it. I loved going out and writing stories and that was many years ago now but you were allowed to do a lot more as a work experience student than you are these days. So I actually, the editor said to me, well, you're here for the week. What do you, uh, you know, what are you going to write about? And I said, oh, you want me to write a story? And they're like, yeah, we'll give you a, a full page. And I went, oh, my God, okay, I don't know what I'm going to write about. Maybe I'll just write about the kids that are doing work experience in my class and I'll go and take some photos of each of them and I'll write their little story about why they want to do that work experience. And so I did and they said that was a good idea and I went and I interviewed my best friend who admittedly got the Just Jeans gig that I wanted and I interviewed my second best friend and she was in childcare and I interviewed my boyfriend at the time and he was a builder and I took photos of them all and I got a full page in this little newspaper and they gave me a front page um, tag on it and the news uh, agencies around the town, they had, you know, the posters out the front by work experience student Elizabeth Campbell. And that was when I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be the best thing ever. This is what I want to do. I never want to do anything else in my life ever. And so I spent like about 13 years in the media and then after that, I started my business, which is all just writing. Like I don't, I've never done anything else. It's all just always been writing for me. So it was that, like starting a business, figuring out 
how I was going to be different, figuring out what my business was actually going to be and then working on those milestones throughout my life that I could go back and go, oh, so writing actually was a major part of my life growing up. And then when you look at all the little things that are associated with that, like I write to-do lists on top of to-do lists. You should see my walls. They are covered in butcher's paper with (laughs) ideas and funnels and should we do this and should we do that and my marketing plan and all of it. So, yeah, it's interesting. I encourage people to go and, you know, do that a lot. And people ask me all the time, like, you know, how do you, how do you just know what you're passionate about? And I'm like, oh, I'm not a good example of that because I've just really, it's just been something that's been really prominent in my life like always. And so I didn't really, I guess I found it, but I didn't have to look too hard for it. It wasn't really connecting the pieces of the puzzle together. It was more about just being aware of what was really, just really important to me. And writing is really important to me. (laughs) So, yeah. Wow. It's funny because you said earlier you didn't like reading, but you love writing. And I'm going, how do you love writing? Because I'm a person that I write, but it is not my passion. And I think because mm-hmm. being in school and having to write and for so long, I I read and I did technical things. So it was always like technical writing and I did not get any joy out of it at all. <laughs> No, that's true. Technical writing is not a very, well, I shouldn't say that. For me, it's the same. Some people love technical writing. Um, But for me, I much prefer the creative side of things or the very conversational style of writing. And that was, that's great because that fits in with the whole way that online content is. It's very conversational and that's very much my style. But, yeah, no, I didn't like reading at all. And, God, that was actually, you know how when you're a little kid and you're one, two or three and you have to take books home and you have to read them as your homework and then you'll get get ticked off whether you've done it? I always used to never get ticked off. I would (laughs) say that I'd do it. I'd, like, they'd, you know, make you join book clubs and that sort of thing and I'd start reading the book and just get so bored with it. Because I've realised, and this is the thing too, is I've realised I need short, snappy, humorous content. That's the type of, well, you know, words that get me in. And there's all different. people. Some people love really long, lengthy, emotional, heartstrings-pulling words. Some people like that really technical, analytical, fast-backed stuff. Some people just like really short, snappy content, and I like that. So if the book is full of just short, snappy content and it's funny to me, then I'll read it. And so what I actually discovered was I was reading the wrong books for a start and now I really love reading. And my favourite, I can't believe I'm about to admit this, my favourite style of book is like that real lovey-dovey, you know, romantic sort of boy meets girl style Mm -hmm. of book or a business book. So yeah, funny. <laughs> See, there's there's nothing wrong with that because I'm like that as well. I like the romantic novels. I like business and I like the personal development 
type of books. Mm. So those are what I read. And it's funny because I was a reader on like, you know, like you said, you weren't a reader, but you were a writer. So I was a, a reader and not a writer. I loved to read, but I think my passion for reading came from um, my upbringing and that was my escape and my way to get away and think about, mm-hmm. okay, there's a better life out there and this is what I imagine for myself. Mm, that's true. That's so, so true. And that's a good point too that you make because, you know, a lot of um, the stuff that we read is, is it's reflective of how we, you know, see ourselves or want our life to be or, uh, you know, we can dream bigger as well. And, and it's kind of the same with writing. I mean, we journal, you know, and, and we're taught to journal. And I was just talking to a, a client of mine the other day and she was having a real issue with getting her content right for her webinar. And so she journaled on it. And I was like, that's a brilliant idea, you know, like because we journal about all sorts of different things that are happening in our life or you know, that we're grateful for, all of that. But we can also journal on um, areas that we are, you know, needing to improve. And the amount of ideas that will come out when you're writing, when you just sit down to just write a piece, or even like as you're reading, you know, like business books and personal development books and all of that, you start to let your mind just drift away and go, oh, this is a great idea for such and such or for this part out of my business or for my profile or just to go and do or to give that person or whatever. So there's a real power in making sure you read what you like reading and also then just writing, just just actually sitting down with no real thought about what you're going to write and just start writing. And there's real beauty in that, in those words. Wow. So I have a question for you. So since you like writing and you say you make lists, and it's funny because I make lists too. Do you prefer the pen to paper or do you type everything like on your phone or your iPad? Which do you prefer? Such a good question. I much prefer pen to paper. However, that doesn't like it not you only have to go and type out usually type it out again anyway especially if it's a you know your daily to-do list within your business or your job if it's just a shopping list or something like that I still write it all out I the thing is when I I would love to try and um, get really good at having that note section in my phone and you know writing my list in there but I just forget about it and so then I don't do things because it's in my phone whereas when it's written down and I can highlight and cross it off with the highlighter, I actually feel like I've accomplished something. <laughs> like I feel like I've got a list. I had eight things I needed to do within the next 24 hours. And even though I use Asana, so the project management tool, and all of my tasks are in there and my team assign me tasks and I assign them tasks and all of that, even though I've got that, I still will write down the, the major prior, priorities that I need to get done. So, And this morning I was just going through and highlighting them off and I've finished them. So it's funny what motivates you though, isn't it? Like I have to have, I have to use online for the business because it just makes sense. And also oh, I think I really wouldn't 
I wouldn't be able to plan properly if I didn't have that project management tool and I was just relying on writing stuff out. Plus it takes like way less time to just type something in. But I feel more accomplished when I have a written pen to paper to do list that I can use a pretty pink or orange or blue highlighter and just highlight off that I've done like, yes, I'm winning at life. I've done those tasks. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I'm listening to you and I'm the exact same way. I'm a technical person and I have all the software and I have the phone and I'll write things in, you know, in that note app on your phone, just if it's a quick, like, oh, I need to remember that. But it seems like writing it actually on paper with a pen, I remember it better. And like you said, I feel accomplished when I can yeah. look at that list and scratch something out and say, okay, I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. And you know what I do? I carry a uh, journal around with me just kind of as a take note type of thing. So if I'm thinking about if I'm out and I think about something for the business that I want to do, I write it down. Yeah. It's so good. The other thing that I have, I have a notebook that I carry around and post-it notes and I, you should see my handbag. It's like there's 65 billion pens in there. Like we <laughs> never have a shortage of pens. They just attract themselves to me. I'm like a magnet for pens. Like we'll just be, we'll find pens around the house. And I'm like, where the hell did that pen come from? And so I've got post-its, I've got pens, I've got notebooks, I've got my phone. But the thing that I actually finds that helps me the most when I'm out and about is if I just email myself. So mm -hmm. if I email myself, then it's there. It's just a quick, like, it won't have any subject or anything like that. My, it, it'll just be a task. My team will know to either put it into Asana for me or just leave it and, and it just sits there. And then when I get in, I can check my email. So oh, that's right. That's that thing that I wanted to do. And then I can save it or do it or whatever. Um, I haven't got into a good habit of using Asana on my phone yet. I can, but I kind of, I don't remember to do, to do it. There's sort of too many steps, I think. And mm -hmm. I think if it's easier, and this is the same too, when you've got a pen and paper, it's a pen and a paper and you write down what you've got to do. When you've got type it in, you've got to click the next column or the next tab, then you've got to save the date and do all these things. And I think just in such a busy world that we live in, like simple is the new sexy, I think, you know, just keep everything simple, easy to do, easy to understand. And if that's pen and paper, then I say hallelujah and congratulations for going old school. <laughs> I mean, I totally agree with you because on my phone I have an app that I use as well, kind of like your Osana, the, the schedule task and things. And I always forget to use it. And I go, oh, my goodness, I have this app. I paid for it. But it's so much quicker for me to just grab my journal or, like you said, a sticky note and write something out. And then, like, I'm like you. I throw it in my purse. Like, I'll uh, stick the sticky onto my wallet because I know when I pull the wallet out, I'm going to see it. And I will forget. So isn't that funny? <laughs> It's so funny. Around the world, we still love post-it notes and pens. <laughs> I, you know, I Yay! hope they never go out of style because I need them. I, I love them. And you were talking about pens. And it's funny because I have a couple of friends, but I am a total pen snob. 
I I am very picky about my pens. And then when I find a pen that I like that writes very nicely, I'm I'm very particular about it. Like, you know how you're out and people say, oh, may I borrow your pen to write something? I always find another pen to give them. I don't give them my favorite pen. (laughs) (laughs) You always give them like that, you know, the marketing pen that you picked up at a networking event or something with someone else is branding on them here I have this pen or like exactly. that pen that's in the bottom of your of your handbag that's like got sticky tape stuck to it here you can have this pen <laughs> but yes. I'm using my Swarovski diamond pink <laughs> yes because people it. take your pins and they never give them back they say oh can I borrow it and then they go off and then you never see your pen again that's me. That's why I've got so many pens. I'm sure of it. Because I, I look at the marketing pens that I've got and I'm like, I don't even think I went to that event. Like, how did I get this pen? Or I don't even know that business. Like, how on earth has this pen made it to your home in my handbag? But you're right. I don't, I, I have a few beautiful pens and they're, the one that I love has a big diamond on the end of it or a diamond looking diamond-esque mm. piece of glass probably on the end of it and it's silver I've got a silver one and a rose gold one and a black one and they sort of just hang out in my bag or on my desk or you know in the kitchen or somewhere like that if I'm if I need to um pull it out and sign something in front of somebody and you will be so surprised at the people that go oh my god that's the most amazing pen I've ever seen <laughs> So it's a good talking point. Exactly. And I bet you you don't loan that pen out to anyone, do you? Oh, no way. That one, those three stay with me. Yeah, they get oh. those other pens that you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. That. And there's so many people that will say, make sure you give them back. And I'm like, yeah, I will. And you, you just forget. Like, I don't do it deliberately, but I, I am, I'll confess, I'm a pen stealer. See, <laughs> I don't you- mean it, but that's how we end up with pens. <laughs> See, you would be the person I would give the pen <laughs> at the bottom of my handbag. <laughs> and I, I still take it. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. Yeah, you get the one that's at the bottom of the pile. The one with the piece of sticky tape wrapped to it, the one that's like got scratches all over it, you get that pen. And I'd be like, this is great. Thanks so much for letting me use your pen. And in my bag it goes to be given to someone else. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I I have been known to go after someone for my pen. Because like you say, you say, give that back. And they go, oh, okay. And they walk away. And not that they're doing it on purpose, but I have gone back to a person and said, um, excuse me, can I have my pen back? <laughs> Especially if it's the pink Swarovski diamond one. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So tell me about your business and the type of clients that you have that need your services. I mean, I would imagine you have a whole plethora of different businesses that come to you because everyone needs someone who can write well for them. Yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to touch on that point a little bit more, more uh, if you don't mind, because this is something, you know, when I was first starting out, 
we did everything. We did every piece. I've only ever done writing because that was always my strength and I've never wanted to do any other marketing strategy or video or podcast or whatever, nothing like that. It's always been writing for me. That was that was how I niched was just the content writing. But, um, yeah, it was really surprising to me just how, how many people couldn't write well, didn't like writing, didn't know how to write, wasn't, weren't even interested in writing, just needed it done. And that was so foreign to me because I'd always hung out with writers. So as a journalist, I was around writers all the time. You know, my family is very creative. My mum loves writing. My um, my sister, my dad's a carpenter, so very creative. Um, my sister's a chef, very creative. My other sister's an artist. So we all like writing and, you know, doing that creative stuff. And so when, when I first started, I just, I'd already had the business on the side for a couple of years just not making much money just about 300 to 500 dollars a month it was what I called shoe and holiday money it was it allowed me to have some extra cash to play with on top of my job as an editor and a journalist and I was just sort of I had a couple of little clients like a picture framer a real estate agent uh, actually a couple of real estate agents and that was really it I'd do a couple of one-off jobs here and there for fashion websites or um, other like a restaurants and that sort of thing and that was it and then as I grew in the business I realized just how important this skill was that I had that people kept saying oh my god you're so amazing at writing and I'm like really because I never really thought that I was you know it was never a thought that crossed my mind that I was so amazing at writing I just loved it but it transferred across into what we now do, which is simply just websites, blogs, and online content, like social media, newsletters, email series, that sort of thing. That's all we do. And we've only done that. We've only ever done that from probably about my first, the second year in business, I decided I didn't want to do everything. And that was what people were mostly asking me for. So that's what we started doing. And as I went through this journey of writing for people, like we have just written for so many different amazing businesses and the only criteria that they need to have is that they need to be an action taker and a risk taker and they need to absolutely love what they do so that we can replicate that in their content. And then, you know, that's really been it. We've worked with builders We've worked with other tradespeople. We've worked with influencers. We've worked with speakers. We've worked with fashion websites, a lot of fashion and beauty because that was what I first focused on when I was starting out because that was what I loved. Uh, we've worked with insurance agencies. We've worked with car dealerships. And so uh, it, there's just, as you say, everybody needs somebody that can help them write or they need to learn to, to how to write because everything now is about content online, whether it's, and most of it is written content. So even with your podcast, you have show notes, even with videos, you have them transcribed or have a, um, a description with the, the video, you know, like we need, I was just reading a story this morning around um, abandoned cart emails for e-commerce and how to write those. So that you don't miss out on so many sales at 
checkout. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's everywhere. Content writing is literally something that nearly almost every business, I don't want to say every business because I'm sure there's someone, someone out there, but almost every business needs. So, yeah, it's um, and funny because I've, <laughs> my poor business, I've tried to kill off the content writing side of the business so many times um, <laughs> as I've gone through this business journey, you know, like, and it just won't die. I've tried to give it away. I've tried to say, no, we don't do that anymore. We only teach business owners. We only do courses on it. And just people just go, they kind of like go, whatever, Liz, I'm going to keep asking you until you do it. <laughs> so, um, we've just started like refocusing on the actual content writing done for you service and it's going absolutely crazy at the moment. So it's, you know, it, it, that just says to me that it's such a needed um, component of an, a business, a modern business that has an online presence or somebody that has an online profile and they want to, maybe do something a little bit different and stand out more through their words so that they can, you know, look good online. And as I was saying right at the beginning, when you look good, you know, when your website looks good, you want to share it with people. When you've got cool information on your blog or your social media, you want people to to see it. So many times people will come to me and say, I hate my website. I'm embarrassed of my website. And so if you feel that way about your words and your content, you're never going to share it with people. Like I've even had somebody give me their business card and scratch out, like scribble off the website in pen and say, don't look at it. It's terrible. That's why I need you. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you doing that with every single person you're giving your business card to because you know what that's going to do? Make people go and want to look at your website because you're telling them how bad it is. So they want to go and, you know, see for themselves and criticise it when you should be, like, really excited about your online content, your socials because they've got beautiful pictures and, you know, amazing words, your website because it's written in a way that connects and engages people and they can really understand who you are, what you do and what you're about. And then, you know, any other emails and newsletters that you send out, you know, like just making sure that you're really excited about the content that you're putting out there. And if you don't want to do it, then I suggest getting somebody to help you with it. And it might just be an editor. It might just be somebody to have a look at your content and help you with it. It might be you're getting your own personal content writer on your team. It might might just be a VA or it might be an agency like what we've got but that would be my biggest tip is because it is such a needed uh, component of business these days is to just make sure that you're absolutely nailing it and nail it well and make sure that you stand out and be different. You know I really see where you have value because everything nowadays is online. Like you said, everyone has a website, everyone has a social media platform that they're on, and you have to know how to write and hook. And, and you know, I've gone to a couple, not many, but a couple sites or platforms where you read something that someone's written and you're going, okay, whatever, that's not good. So I see Mm. where you have value, but this is my question for you. 
when someone contacts you and like the website person says, I don't like my website, I need someone to help me. Do you go and how do I want to say, do you totally create content for them or are they, are they telling you this is kind of what I want or here's a script on what I wanted to say, but you, you smooth it out to make it sound good? Mm, good question. There's a couple of different ways that, that we help people and it might be that they've got an idea, like you say, a script, but it's more like they've written down a few dot points or, you know, they've written down um, a little bit of it, maybe a couple of paragraphs about, you know, what they're wanting to, to get um, portrayed, but they can't actually find the right words to do that. And so one of the things that we do with all of our clients and, and content writing jobs as such is that they fill out a questionnaire and the questionnaire that we have allows us to see their writing style, their tone of voice, the personality that they have in their writing. Um, it doesn't matter how much they write. They might only write a couple of sentences or, you know, a few words, but at least we can see it. We can see the words that they're using that are important to them. So, you know, one of the clients that we've got at the moment is an interior designer for commercial um, projects and they use the word sense of belonging all the time whenever they're talking to me whenever they're in an email all of that so that needs to be reflected in their content so the very first step and this is the the thing that has always set my business apart from others is that we can really easily mimic um, the the client or the client's tone of voice uh, and personality and it may be that they're not in their business and the business has its own personality and tone of voice and that's totally fine. We can get to the bottom of that right from the very beginning which makes the content writing process and the client's journey a lot easier as we move forward. So it means that we kind of become an extension of them and we get it's so funny because we'll get feedback from people you know oh my god Liz this is exactly what I wanted to say this you know sums it up so well this is perfect I love it um this is brilliant it says all the things that I needed it to so there's a there's a simple process it starts with just a very basic questionnaire but that questionnaire is like absolute gold to us and my writers on the other end because it shows us exactly what we need to be able to create content for somebody else and so the you know when they're saying that that you know can you please help me with the content there are basically there are two ways there's like the way that that you suggested they've got a script and that we may just edit it for them so we might just say they might have written something and it's okay, like and they're okay with it and we might just edit it and polish it and make it sound uh, a lot better. And that's one of the ways. And the other way is that they just go, oh, I don't even know where to start. I don't, I don't want to do it. Can you just do it? And that's when our questionnaire really comes in handy. You know, the first, um, the first drafts that people get, it's like when you're writing a book or, you know, you're working with a video editor and they write you a script or something like that. You get a draft of what it's going to look like or how it's going to read 
And so there might be areas where we need to go back to somebody and say, you know what, we actually need us to explain it a little bit more. Why would you have that with that? And then once they explain it, it's like, okay, now I can understand. Cool, we'll go and rewrite that or go and write it. So I suppose it's a matter of like we work with them as much as possible and that's, you know, if you're working with a content writer or any kind of contractor, nine times out of ten you want to outsource and never have anything to do with it again. But in the beginning stages, you need to have keep an eye on it as a business owner. You need to keep an eye on it and just make sure that the content going out sounds like you or sounds like your business because there's nothing worse than when you are, you know, putting yourself out there online and the way that you're portraying yourself on social media is completely different to how your website is portraying you or it's completely different when you do a live video or a video and then you know your con your written content because it's being done by somebody else it doesn't match that tone of voice or the personality it's completely different and if there's an incongruence with your online content from you know online to videos to when they're moving around your website or even when they meet you at a networking event or uh, you know, they just see you down at the post office or whatever it is. If there's incongruence between who you are online, who you are in person, you lose trust really quickly. And it's one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're getting somebody else to do their work, which is why we do so much work at the start to make sure that we get it right so that we can mimic our clients and make sure that they, we sound like them. And their feedback is got, it's so important for us because the feedback shows us that, you know, some extra words that they may be using or it shows us, you know, um, things that they wouldn't say or, you know, it shows us that we need to use more facts because the way that they talk or the way that they, you know, write their content down, they actually use a lot of facts. So we need to make sure that we're using facts and statistics in the content for that specific person, you know, or they might talk, like we were talking about the different styles of content, they may talk, um, you know, in real storytelling sense and they share lots and lots of stories or, you know, um, they say things like, oh, I can relate to that because of this and that and whatever. So we need to make sure that we're portraying them and we have to put lots more stories in their specific content. So there's a real process behind it. But we love it, you know, like that's that's the, it's kind of like um, the peeling of the onion rings, you know, like there's just layers and layers and layers to businesses and to people and to content and we like to make sure that we can, you know, create this, the content that takes in all the layers because that's what's interesting to people, you know, and I suppose that's probably where my journalism skills come in too is that you can just delve deeper into um, into somebody into somebody's content because you're asking questions or you're asking the right questions or, you know, you've had that experience of writing news stories across so many different um, subjects. 
So yeah, it's really fun. There's 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 a couple of different ways that you would work with a content writer. One, just getting them to do it for you, or two, you do it, and then you know your content writer or editor would edit it for you. Um, editing's a lot different to proofreading as well. Editing is structurally rewriting some of the content and you know adding comments to say I think you need more words here about a story or I think you need some real statistics in there. It's a bit, you know, light on. Whereas proofreading is just they'll find a, a typo or they'll put a comma here or a, a dash there. So there's a little bit to it, but, you know, and that's why people, some people just get it done and other people love to learn all this stuff too. And if that's the case, then, oh, my God, I love you and I want to meet you because I love people that want to learn how to write. Well, that is some very, very good advice because as I'm working my business, I find that that is very true. And I've gotten better with it because I know what I need to do. But what you were saying as far as sounding like the person speaking in their voice and how they want to speak, that is so important because you you don't want a false representation of yourself mm. out there. So I think it's I think it's fabulous that you guys take that time to actually learn how the person speaks and how that they would write so that you can mimic that instead of just saying, "Okay, we know how to yeah. do this." And then you you create content and then when their customers or clients read it and then when they meet them they they're going, "Wow, you don't sound like your website." Mm, it's so important it's a it's a thing that I see all the time and it's the it's really disheartening you know like I've been following people on social media I know I'm not alone because this is what we're getting told by you know by our clients and by others as well in the industry it's just that you're following someone on social media and you've been watching their videos and you've been consuming their content and just feasting on it, you know. And could be, you could be following that person for quite some time and you've been watching their interviews online or whatever it is and then you finally get to go and see them live or you get to meet them. And it doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be some massive, you know, influencer celebrity. It could just be somebody that is in your your circle or your industry or whatever it is and you go and you see them you go and meet them you go to their networking event whatever it is and they're completely different and you're like wow what's happening here it's very confusing and I remember I went and I listened I've been following this person for so long and I really admired them and I still do and I looked up to them and you know I was just in awe when I was first in business and then when I went and saw them speak live, I was like, you don't sound anything like videos or your content. Like, And it was more around the tone, which online was super upbeat and, you know, really energetic. And then in person was just a little bit more quiet and reserved. And I was like, ah. Oh, I was expecting, you know, somebody to bounce out onto the stage and, you know, big, huge smiles and this larger-than-life personality. And what what I saw was, you know, somebody who's just 
very calm and reserved and um, more along the line, very quietly spoken. And I'm like, wow, what's going on? This is crazy. But, you know, there's other things that get in the way too. So you, I would, and I'm never too hard on people about it at all. It's just a thought. And if, if I'm having that thought, then everyone in that room who's been doing the same as me, following them online is having the same thought and you just lose a little bit of trust. And so the best thing to do is to just pretty just be yourself, be yourself online, uh, be yourself in person, you know, share some real content, like some real stories, share some struggles that you're having, not all, all the time, but just share those problems that you're having because this makes us more relatable, more, um, human and people enjoy that you know they like to see that we're all the same as each other even if you're the one on stage and they're the one in in the crowd or you're the one that does the lives and they're watching it's really comforting for people to see that and so when you are sharing your online content it's really important that that's why you need as a business owner even if you've got somebody to do it for you you still need to have a handle on it. You don't want to just outsource it and forget about it because that's where you'll start to, you know, what if your content writer gets somebody else to start doing it? You know, what if your agency has somebody else working on it, not the same person? The tone could change a little bit. The style could change a little bit. So it's really important. It's something, you know, I've always um, thought of content as money right so where you've got to do your financials in your business I've always thought of content as being as important as sending an invoice because the content is the piece of the puzzle that actually gets people in to start listening to you to start following you they may download something that you've got they may talk about you on social media right it starts that that journey to potentially becoming a client. And so when you think about content in that context, you actually would put a lot more emphasis on it. Like you would if you're outsourcing your bookkeeping, it's not like you would go, okay, cool, I've got a bookkeeper. I never have to look at my books ever again. It's all just going to be taken care of. And it's the same with your content. If content equals money and it's as important to you as you know networking or going um, and following up with somebody and getting a big client or just any client on board if content can equal that then it's really important to make sure that one you're overseeing it if you're having it outsourced or two you actually are writing for the the people on the other end you're being yourself you're sharing information that they're going to, you know, eat up quickly. You're sharing information that is really helpful to them and you're being yourself. You're not being anybody else. You're going to be the same person online. If you make a mistake during your life, it doesn't matter. You know, you just keep going. If you sneeze or something like that, whatever. If you've got to, if you've got to go and shut the blind during your life, it doesn't matter. All of that stuff is really and raw and people are enjoying that style of content at the moment so yeah you're right speaking in 
your, the same voice online and offline and there's a couple of other, you know, elements that make that journey a lot easier. So just being yourself is one of them. But also just, you know, thinking about content in a different light as, you know, a lot of the people that we work with kind of think of it like it's a hassle. Oh, I've got to be on social media every day or I've got to put a blog out every week or, you know, I've got to get that landing page done. But if you think about it, that landing page could actually be your ticket to thousands of dollars every week or it could be, um, you know, that that blog goes out to so many different people and they start to come to your website and they sign up for something or they download something or they get in touch with you. And if you think about content in that way, then I think more people would actually be wanting to create amazing content. <laughs> hmm. Yes, that that is a good point. Good tip. Now, my next question is now you have authored two books with you being a uh, lover of words. Do you send your stuff to an editor? Sorry, I just missed that last question. What was it? I said, do you send your your writing to an editor? So you've done two books. When you finish, do you send your stuff to an editor? Oh, yes, I absolutely do. Because the, the and do you know what? My first book, which is called Wow Words on the Web, it's all about how to write online content. That book, the framework in that book actually was reworked into a, like what we use as our framework now by the editor. So I had just pulled together all this content and, I, you know, as a writer I was going, yeah, I've got this book thing nailed. I know what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm a writer. I can write a book. And it came back with so many changes and so many things moved around and the structure of the book. And I was like, wow, I actually thought I was good at this writing thing. <laughs> and I am good at this writing thing, just not, you know, book writing is very, very different and it takes a different structure. But my beautiful editor on that book actually created our 5S method which is what we teach and, and how, literally how we structure our content. It came from her see, being insightful with my words and pulling out bits and pieces to create a way better book than what I had given her. And the same for the second book, which is called The Divorce Diaries, and it's for business owners, business women going through a divorce and running a business at the same time. Um, that book was... The same thing. I had a different editor on that book because I like to, uh, with my books, I'll, I'll match the book to the editor. So I knew that the editor for the Divorce Diaries, um, she had done that sort of emotional content writing and editing before. So I wanted to have the best outcome. So she changed it around as well. They were, and she would add things, Liz, you need to write more here. Liz, we need a tip here. Liz, this bit doesn't fit here. Liz, what the hell are you talking about here? I don't think you should say this. Like, So absolutely with the books, a million percent, I'll always have an editor. They are the most uh, valuable part of the book writing process, I believe. And I, I actually spend more on good editing in the book writing process, then I spend on any other part of it, you know, having the cover made, 
I don't spend as much on the internal design or anything. I spend all my money on the editing process because that's the most important part, I believe. With, um, with my personal blogs and content and that sort of thing, I get my um, weekly blog that goes on EC Writing Services. I get that edited as well. And my newsletter, I get that edited. And every time I don't, there's always a mistake in it because the thing is, it's when you are writing your own content, you know what you want to say. So when you're reading your own content that you've written, your brain knows what it wants the content to say. And so if the words aren't there, your brain will just put the words there and read mm -hmm. it like they are there. So if it's missing an and or a the or a to or a don't or whatever it is, and you know that you've written it that way, or you've got a can and it should be a can't, um, then your brain will just say, oh, yeah, that's a can or that's a can't or that's a do or whatever. It's meant to be there, so just keep going. And so the, the best part of having an editor is that they show you the areas that you may need to improve on or they just show you all the little, the little tiny things like all the do's and don'ts or the the's and the ins and the outs and whatever that you've missed and you oh, my God, I didn't realise, like, I missed that many or I've re-read this. I thought it was pretty perfect. But so there's always, you know, the, the way that we write and the way that we read our own writing, it is very, very hard to edit. And even as an editor for the media, we would have, you know, our journalists would have sub-editors that would read their work first and then it would go to another editor before it... it went to the final proofread and editor. So there's so many, um, it's rare or it should be rare that you would read in a magazine or, um, you know, online would still, online blogs and that sort of thing still of news outlets, they still use the same process as um, and newspapers and all of that. It's rare that you will see mistakes because it's gone, gone through such an extensive editing. Okay rare because sometimes you can you see lots of mistakes in newspapers and that sort of thing but you know if that the work wasn't edited you'd be blown away by you know the first drafts or the amount of mistakes that's actually in a piece of content before it goes to an editor so so important and um, we're seeing actually I'm seeing a lot of people business owners that are coming to us now we're doing a lot more editing for people because they actually want to know like they want we track the changes so you can see it and people want to know where they can improve on in their writing or uh, you know what we're changing that sort of thing so it's really important it's a good question I like that one. Oh, thank you I asked because like I said I'm doing writing too and it's something and, and I totally agree I have I'm in the process of writing a book now and I have written, and like you said, I have missed words, but because I knew what I wanted to say, I just went on. And then when I, like a day or two later, when I reread it, I go, huh, what? Oh, there's a word missing. Or yeah, that shouldn't be can, it should be can't. Or I, I don't say not. And then I'm going, what, what? No. So it's so funny how your brain plays that trick and it is it's very difficult to write and edit your own stuff so it is good to have someone with fresh eyes who who has no idea of what 
you're trying to say, because then they can see and they can catch it and they can give you that, you know, okay, I think, you know, the context of this needs to be um, explained a little bit better. So that's always a, a great tip. Yeah, that's true. And you know what, you make a good point as well about when you you go away and you leave the content for a little while like a couple of days or even just overnight and you come back with your own fresh eyes the difference that that makes to editing your own content and that's something that I would suggest to people if they are wanting you know if they don't want to get an editor they can't afford an editor or whatever it is then just leave write the content leave it and come back in a day or so and reread it again and use a ruler and mark off every single word. So when I'm editing and I'm editing my own content, that's what I do. Um, you know, if I haven't got time to send it to my editor because it needs to get out quickly or something like that, I'll read it the 60 million times. But the way that I do it is to have a ruler and then just cross off, like read out loud every word and cross it off as you're reading it. And that will also help. But it's very meticulous and it's very it's much easier just to send it to an editor and just say, here, here's my work. You have a look at it and make it better. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. You've given us some really good tips, Liz. And I want to go into the question part of the interview. Thanks. Okay. So here's question number one. Who or what motivates you? Oh, good question. Um, I'm a very self-motivated person, but if I if I have a goal, right? If I have at the moment, I'm setting resetting my business to be able to travel anywhere. And so, you know, I've got a goal, I've got three months to have this business sorted because at the moment I'm still a little bit too in it. And we're going to go traveling around Australia very soon. And there are going to be some parts of Australia that don't have internet. And my whole business is internet. So I need somebody to be looking after that for me. I need them to be pretty much to be me while I'm not there. And so I've got this goal of um, till the middle of September to have that sorted so I'm super motivated by that because that it means to me if I don't have everything sorted by then then my business will stop or you know we'll stop getting the sales that come in or we won't be able to help our clients for those days and it could be weeks that I'm without internet you know Um, and so at that point that's motivating me so having a goal and being self-motivated but if I'm really lacking motivation and that happens um then music music is really good for me and I just put my music on exercise is really good for me as well so even just going for a walk outside like I find getting out in nature really just helps get that you know it just takes you out of your little box that you've been in for however long, like in your office or in your home or at your desk or whatever it is, and it just gives you a new perspective and that I find that really inspiring and really motivating. And the other thing is if I really am just just not into it that day, I will do one of two things. I'll call my mum because she's pretty good at, like, giving me a swift kick up the backside to get me back into, you know, or I'll just give myself some time 
And sometimes, you know, you might need to just chill out on the couch or, you know, do nothing, do a bit of cooking or do a facial or whatever it is, go to the shops or whatever and just give yourself a little bit of time away from everything to come back with, as you say before, fresh eyes and that feeling of, um, you know, wanting to get back into it. Because there's nothing worse when you're not motivated trying to push yourself to do something. You don't put the not, that amazing energy into it and so you'll get a result that matches the energy that you're putting in. Okay. What demotivates you? Negative people demotivate me. I can't be around them. <laughs> Negative, <laughs> like, and, you know, I'm a really super positive person and I know that's not the case for a lot of people and so when, you know, there are negative conversations even in the sense that judgmental conversations or anything like that I just need to remove myself because it just I find it just so demotivating it's just like oh my god I can't do this or I get too sucked in to it you know and so I just no that's it negative negative people negative conversations I find it so demotivating Mm. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. The first thing that comes to mind is, um, is my divorce. It was the most painful thing that I have ever been through in my life, even though it was my decision. My first marriage was 15 years. And we were very young when we got together and it was, you know, my normal. And so when I left, I was, I was hurting so much from, from the relationship. But then I actually was hurting so much more when I left because I didn't know who I was and I didn't, um, you know, I wasn't connected to myself. And I had to do a lot of work around self-esteem and self-love and self-worth and all of that to feel confident and become the woman that I am today. And that was for my, the, my you know, for me to be able to live my best, most vibrant life. So the thing that hurt me was the relationship and the, and the divorce and then it actually has been the most um the most amazing experience is the only way that I can put it and people that are going through a divorce right now won't understand that but it's been five years so there comes a point where you forgive and you let go and that was that's the bit that's made you know that's the bit that I learned from and learned to be a better person from so, yeah, okay. oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. Thank you. What is your fear? My fear is that I won't get to where I want to get to in life. I won't be successful enough to make it to what is the top for me. Okay. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Hmm. Hmm. 
Is there a time that I wish I'd done something and I didn't? Yeah. It's to do with the business and um, if I just had have trusted myself uh, more and I just had have stayed on the path that I knew that I was destined for in this business, I would have seen results a lot quicker, but I didn't. I deviated from the path so many times and it's only been in the last 12 months that I've come back onto the path and have gone, yeah, this is, this is the one. This is where I'm meant to be going. This was always the, the path that I was meant to take, but I did a few detours along the way. I learned a whole bunch of stuff and that would be the only thing that I can think of is that, I just, if I had have stayed on the path that I already knew was going to be successful for me, then I would have um, had, I would have seen a result a a lot quicker. (laughs) But you got to do this stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Sorry, can you just repeat that question? Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Mm, no, not really. I mean, I, I always look at things as, as an experience and as something that I, I can learn from. So, you know, there's probably been a lot of times where I've gone, oh, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have said that, I should have, you know, tried it this way. Or, But I look at it, you know, just recently I started um, a, a different area of my business. We started a sales force within the business and it just didn't work the way that I wanted it to and there's a whole bunch of reasons why I didn't. And it's not that it won't work in the future it's just that it was extremely time consuming and I don't have the time at the moment so it's not right for us right now but it could be in the future but I'm glad that we did it because I know and I'm I'm not you know if I hadn't have done it it would have saved me a heck of a lot of money and time but I'm really actually glad that I did do it because I know I learned a lot I understand how it all works now. It may not be right for us right now at this point, but it could work down the track. So not really yes and no, but mostly I just think of things that, you know, as an as a learning experience and even if I'm feeling a bit down on myself or I always say, you know, what could I what can I take from that? What can I take and learn and what won't I ever do again? <laughs> okay. What is your definition of success? To be happy in, in uh, all areas of your life. So if there's an area that's lacking where you're not feeling your absolute very best, then have a look at it. You know, if it's your relationship, have a look at why. If it's your business, have a look at what's happening there. If it's your health, if it's just you as a person. So I believe that success is just living a very happy, full and rich life, whatever that means to you. And right now I'm feeling so super successful because I'm just so happy within all areas of my life. Mm. How do you recharge? 
Oh, I um, I get out in nature. So my husband and I like to go camping and four-wheel driving and um, I've always, you know, if I'm by the beach or at the water or uh, somewhere that's just really quiet and calm and I can have my feet on the ground and it's not, you know, just I don't have to do too much. I don't have to really think about anything. For me, that's camping and getting out in nature and out in the wilderness and it just, gosh, and no screen time. So one weekend we went away and the place that we went had so weird. It was only two hours outside of our main um, capital city, but there was no cell phone service and it was awesome. I didn't do anything online for two whole days, which was a complete surprise because I thought we'd have mobile reception. And I came back feeling so re-energized and so recharged. And it was because I was out in nature with no screen time and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Great. What are you awesome at? What am I good at? What are you awesome at? Oh, what am I awesome at? I'm awesome at writing. (laughs) I really am. It's something that I can confidently say. And I'm also, I'm an awesome um, friend and partner. I'm really good at being a good friend because I'm very into relationships and making sure that I play um, an awesome part in being in a relationship with somebody, even if it's a friendship or whatever. Okay. What legacy do you want to leave? I want people, as women especially, to um, feel like they can have a voice and feel like they can be heard. And, and I want them to be able to stand up with pride and with confidence to show to the world who they are and what they've got to offer because we've all got something really, really special to offer, but we don't necessarily have the voice or have the words or are allowed to, depending on which country you live in, are allowed to stand up and have freedom of speech and have have that voice to share. And that's the thing that that lights me up. That's the that's the thing that I want to be remembered for is that allowing people wherever you are, it might be in business or it might just be that, you know, in a relationship or whatever that you have a voice and you can use it and it's powerful and so are your words. Okay. Liz, give the listeners one motivational takeaway. My motivational takeaway is to write 200 words a day on anything. So when you sit down and just write about your day or you write about something that's upsetting you or you write about a cool idea that you've got for your business or you write about the sort of life that you want to lead or even write about the sort of person that you want to attract, when you do that, it opens up something inside you and it makes you feel more confident, it gives you more inspiration, you'll feel motivated to go out and achieve whatever you have written and even if it is you know something that's upsetting you you can see it more clearly and so what I would ask people to do listening to this podcast is to start doing that every day and to 
have a look back. You don't, you don't necessarily have to go back and read them. They don't need to be diary entries. You could use these as little social media bites if you wanted to. But what I've found is when I ask my clients to do this, they start to understand uh, who they are, what they're offering, how they help and what's important to them and then you start to live that truth. And so the thing that I would suggest is to um, motivate yourself is to just write, start writing. Even if you don't write, like writing, start and see. You might decide that you fall in love with it. It might become your new favourite thing and, you know, start to just Write those words down every day and you will start to see a difference in your life, I swear to you. And if it doubles as a social media post, well, good on you. (laughs) Okay, Liz, tell the listeners where and how they can connect with you. Oh, sure. You guys can find me online if you just type in Elizabeth Campbell, the word stylist. I will come up for all the socials, my my website is ecwritingservices.com e for elizabeth c for campbell and that's it guys i'm on social i'm on facebook instagram linkedin and you can connect with me through the contact page on my website or through the personal messages and i actually i'd love to hear stay in touch too um on you know what was the biggest takeaway from this for them and if writing is something that you guys love or loathe and if it's something that you want to get better at or what motivates you, I'd actually love to know all of that. So please do let me know. Wow. Well, Liz, I thank you for starting your day with me because I know over there in Australia it's Wednesday morning and I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Me too. It's been Awesome. You asked some great questions. Oh, thank you. Well, hopefully we can um, continue to connect and never know how our paths are going to cross because I do have a plan to get to Australia here in the next couple of years. Please do. Please um, make sure you stay in touch and let me know and come to Brisbane or actually wherever I am in Australia because we'll be traveling. I'll come and meet you and I'll take you to my favorite place of wherever that is at that time. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm excited. Yes, I I definitely will. Hey, thank you. Get your day started and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. If you like Trina Talk, please don't forget to go out to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina Talk anytime and anywhere. It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.